Before I get started, um, I just want to mention something. There's a guy sitting there on the back row, um, not at the very back row, because that's, that's somebody nobody pays attention to, but Jim is, uh, uh, Jim Murphy's here, and he's, he's kind of sharing just one last moment with us before he goes off and suffers in uh, the warmth of Texas. Um, but, uh, but you do want to be sure that you, you Jim, would you just kind of like wave to us at least, let, you, let us know that you're here. Um, we love you, Jim, and uh, Jim has been so instrumental in a lot of ways, even in, in my life, just kind of helping me get a handle on things regarding particularly my circle and missional communities, and we've just kind of, uh, I've, I've learned so much from you, Jim, and uh, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate all that God has done here uh, in, in New York with you. I don't really understand God. I really don't. And so when God calls a man to leave New York to go somewhere else, I never get it. But, um, but I'm, I'm excited. God has a new ministry in, in store for Jim in the Houston area. And, uh, and as he takes his family down there, we just want to be praying for him, uh, lifting him up, and uh, recognizing that God has something new for that family. And maybe something new for Houston. I mean, they need it. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing good things coming out of that. Uh, your work down there, Jim. Um, before, we, before I go into the message, I would, just if you don't mind, I'm going to pray for you right now, Jim, and uh, I'll leave you back there. I'm not picking on you in any way, um, but uh, boy, have I learned so much. While I'm doing that, I do want to remind you that uh, our one primary ministry as a church, our primary program, if you want to call it that, is our missional communities. If you are not connected with a missional community, I, let me encourage you to find a way. Talk to me, talk to one of the other elders, talk to anybody for that matter, and help find, find a way to get connected with a missional community because that's how we grow, that's how we do our ministry, that's how we impact our community. We gather together on Sundays for worship and, we get to, and to hear from God's word, but those are a real thing. And Jim, you've been a really instrumental in helping me understand that. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, I want to thank you so much for Jim. I thank you for his family, the sacrifices they've made here while they've been in, uh, in the Syracuse area. Lord, I thank you for the work they've done at Missio. Thank you for the work that they've done even, uh, even beyond that in uh, many of our, of our cities around this area, uh, around New York. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless that family, help them as they resettle in a new environment, a new culture, a new, uh, even in, in a lot of ways, a new, um, uh, new climate. And just pray, Father, that you would help them to be fruitful and, and Lord, that you would bring them to a point of great uh, accomplishment for your kingdom, Lord, that you would work through them. We look forward to what you're going to do in their lives. We look forward to hearing from them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, they were, they were gathered on a hilltop, milling about, yes, what am I needing to do? When you said this, I thought you sit down. Okay, children, you may get up and go. I'm sorry, normally I do a children's sermon and I'm just not even think focused this morning. Uh, children may go back and go downstairs. Thank you, Ben. If somebody would wave at me, I would never know that something was going on. Um, they were gathered at the hilltop, milling about, kind of... Life had been changing, they, you know, kind of like we would do before worship service. I noticed that, you know, the last thing you do is try to sit down. Have you noticed that? It's kind of like, 
you, you, you hang around back in the foyer. Hang, I'd always wonder if it's like, you know, we're going to decide whether we really want to stay or whether we don't want to stay, you kind of like that. And this is going on at, at this time. Um, they're, they're kind of, these people are kind of gathering, like a couple of dis, uh, disciples are hanging around whispering in hushed tones. They're kind of like, you know, what's, what's going on here? What's happening here? I mean, after all, Jesus has just risen from the dead. And, and now, we don't know what's going on here. Why, why are we meeting here? A couple others are engaging Jesus in intense conversation. You know, you know how it is. You know, like, you, you, you know the, 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 the important people, they gather together and they're talking very intensely to each other. And, you know, they're, they're hushed, hushed tones, of course. Nobody's going out there. I'll be careful where I walk here. Um, and they're out there in their hushed tones and they're talking a little bit with Jesus now. They're intense. They're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? And, um, and others are snacking on some bread or watching their children play, you know. I would have remembered the children right about that point in time. Uh, and um, there, there's an air of expectation. There, of course, there, there's been this air for many days now. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead, no one knows what is next. They've, they've been, not been given the script. They've not given the plan. All they've been told is come meet at this location near Galilee. And the question comes up. It's the inevitable question. Is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the time you're going to do what we've been expecting you to do all along? Is this the time you're going to set up your kingdom? Is, this, is it now? This is an early clue, by the way, to the, that, that the followers of Jesus are going to, for 2,000 years plus continue to have a problem. They're going to have a problem because in man-like fashion, and I mean man as in maleness right now, in man-like fashion, they're saying, let's get this done. Let's be finished. Let's complete this task. Set you up as king, and we'll be done. Jesus tells them, not to worry about those mundane issues, such as the time he is going to close the books. Am I? I'm just kind of feeling a funny sound here. Are you guys hearing a funny sound? Okay, as long as you're hearing a funny sound, I'm hearing a funny sound, I'm not going crazy yet. All right, just, we can't all go crazy together. Uh, so, He's, they're looking for Jesus to send his enemies packing. You know, this is it. This is the time. You finally, we know you rose from the dead. We've kind of been hanging out for a few, a few days now, maybe 30, 40 days, and we've been kind of hanging out. So we're looking for that time. It's going to happen. And so, um, uh, but he, he, he's, instead, he gonna, he's going to lay out his expectations to his disciples. You shall be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Now, witnesses. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord, you're missing something here. This is not what we were planning on. We weren't looking to be witnesses. We're looking to be rulers. You know what I mean? Crowns, good seats, nice clothes, nice buildings. Yeah, we're looking for some power now. We have suffered enough, haven't we? Well, you, I mean, well, you have. You died on the cross. Don't you think it's time that we do something? No, witnesses. I don't really think that's what they had in mind. In fact, 
the Jerusalem church quickly showed how willing, they, how willing and how far they were willing to go in order to accomplish uh, this being his witnesses. Following Pentecost, the church grew rapidly. Remember? Thousands of people in Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They got to Jerusalem, and they were doing pretty good. They had grown to some 5,000 people or more. I don't know how many thousand. They'd been growing rapidly, really, really quickly after that. But, they, but they, they, they quickly learned the advantages of centralization. They chose to center in Jerusalem. They, they, they saw the, you know what the advantages are, right? Nice building, best preachers, great youth program, great meals, children's program out of this world. Centralization, it's a good thing. The bigger we build it, the better it will be. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? That's kind of how we think. And besides that, so, so I can listen to the best preacher and not have to, well, we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, the facilities would be awesome. But they seem to forget that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem, but also in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And as Mike said a couple of weeks ago, God is an, an inclusive God. He didn't say it this way, but he meant it this way. And and. and with an exclusive plan of salvation. You know, he's an inclusive God. It means it's for everybody, but it's exclusive for only those who are in Christ. In Christ is, is important. Now, to share my hope, we're in a series right now. I'm the last in the series, so that could be good or that could be bad. But the last of the series is my hope. What is my hope? What is my hope? What is our hope? Uh, you know, I didn't even tell you guys what passage I'm in, so that's going to be good. I'm not going to... You guys just going to have to look at our hope. But my hope. I'm going to talk about my hope today. All right? It's our hope, but it's my hope. Um, to share my hope, we have to turn away from Jerusalem to the church in Antioch. The, in the first century, God used persecution to push... to push his people into the uttermost parts. We don't move very easily. We don't move out very easily. Jerusalem wound up on the fringes of God's activity, and Antioch took stage center. Why? A church that is alive to the Spirit of Christ is a church that allows God to use them as a center for the fulfillment of, what, uh, of the call to be Christ's witnesses to the earth, to the ends of the earth, in whatever partnership opportunities God makes possible. So we're to be pushing out, not just taking hold of this. Some of you know that I work with the North American Mission Board, and I kind of like, you're kind of like, okay, now we're going with that denominational thing. Just hear me for a moment. I work with the North American Mission Board as a church planting catalyst, and I, and that's because my title changes every time leadership changes. Okay? If somebody changes up there, they want to change what I'm called. It doesn't matter. My role is to, make, is to encourage and facilitate and coach and make resources available so churches can be started 
all over the state of New York. That's what I do for a living. Isn't that nice? You, mean you love that job? It's a cushy job. You know, you can sit, sit at a desk, drive cars, eat. My kids say that I eat for a living. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm eating lunch, I'm eating dinner, I'm eating breakfast. It's awesome. I eat snacks, I go to coffee shops. It's great. It's almost as good as Mike. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. He's not even here. Well, he'll, he'll listen. Um, but uh, Missio Church, Missio University, and Renovation Church have been the beneficiaries of that. Okay, just so you understand, part of what I do is to make sure that these kind of churches can be started all over the state. There are other churches that are outside of our little uh, uh, network that I've, that I've also worked with. Many are here in the Syracuse area, but also across the state. Why do I say that? Well, um, it should come as no surprise that my hope is that Renovation Church, Renovation Church will take the form of the Antioch Church rather than the Jerusalem Church. We actually stand. We've bought a building. I hate to tell you this, but it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? Because it gives us a place to do ministry and to kind of work out of. It's a bad thing because it could become really our little, our, our little idol that we just kind of like being here. And I don't mean our idol because we like the building. I mean, it's a building, all right? But we, because it now gives us a place. We can do everything we want to do here. That's why I want to remind you that our missional communities are not here for a reason. Because we're to be out among the people. We're to be out doing God's work there. This is the place we gather for some refueling, some fellowship, some encouragement, some training, some equipping. That's what we do here. So that, my hope is that we will be the Antioch Church so you're going to say, well, is he ever going to preach? Yes, I'm going to start preaching. Let's go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, beginning with verse 20, um, 20, I'll get it right, verse 19. We're going to end at 26. Acts chapter 11, beginning with verse 26, I mean, verse 19. I, I know what I'm doing. I just, just pay attention, all right? Verse 19. So then. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. Notice how they got started. They went from there. Not only did they just keep things focused on Jerusalem, when they scattered, they still spoke to Jews only. But, verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, Cyprus and Cyrene, we know where those are. Those are it's an island, and Cyrene is this thing, this little city on the northern end of Africa, right? So there's, there, there, the, the island, in, uh, the large island in, in, the, um, uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and then there's that, that one little place. And I tried, to, it took me forever to find Cyrene. Cyrene's like you know, this little dot, and it's way far away. But the reason these two cities are important are because they're the ones that are sending these people. They're, they're basically Christians who came, believers who came from Jerusalem, immigrated to those places, and went from those places over to, uh, to uh, Antioch. That's where, that's where these people are coming. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number believed, who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. 
Then, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left Tarsus, I'm sorry, he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For an entire, and for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Father, help us to be fitting that description of Christian. My hope, my hope, my hope is to move from a closed circle, that is a building center, based gospel to a concentric circles or organic motivated gospel look at the difference here we have for centuries managed to find a way to be building centric everybody come here come see come participate and yet this gospel according to what happens in acts according to jesus christ in Acts 1.8, is that it is an organic. It is to be spread out and go rapidly throughout the cultures. The church in Antioch got its start as a result of persecution. It became too uncomfortable for Christ followers, too uncomfortable for Christ followers to hang around Jerusalem while Herod and others wanted to see them suffer and die. So they began to immigrate. Prior to that, they were as, as based, as they were as rooted as they could possibly be. But they didn't want to die. And some of those immigrant, immigrants went around heralding Jesus to the Jews wherever they found him. And that was great. They were speaking the word. They were speaking the word, and people were coming to faith, and this was exciting. Many were coming to faith in Christ. However, a few of those new converts missed the private email. You know about private emails, right? Yeah, you're not supposed to do private emails. Got it? Not if you work for the government. Um, I'm just finding out if anybody's paying attention to the news. Uh, but those private emails at that time, they, they broadcast the good news to anyone, anyone who would listen. They were just, I mean, they just got like, you know, you know how that is. Have you ever met those private people that you just can't shut them up? Well, these were people like that. They just, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be quiet. In Antioch, a city about the size of Onondaga County, by the way, I'm not talking about area-wise, but people-wise, around 500,000 people. In Antioch, they, they began to uh, share, the, uh, they, they found open ears among the, oh no, the Gentiles. The Gentiles, what are you going to do about that? These are the people that we don't like. They're not like us. But Gentiles are responding. Before they knew it, a church was born. The church in Jerusalem got uptight. And so they, they got together their key guy. You know, Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas knows how to deal with these things. We're going to send Barnabas. Barnabas, go up there and check that thing out. Go, go see if this is working out okay. What's going on? We just want to make sure. And they, what kind of damage is it? You know, bring us back a report about the damage. Well, fortunately for all of us, Barnabas was, the Scripture says, a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. He could recognize the work of God. And he saw that God was at work in Antioch. So the church got off to a great start. But I like this. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, he says, it says, 
they met for an entire year, and the disciples were first called Christians. Hmm. Christians. What did they do? Wait a minute. Tarsus. He went, but we got Saul, who was going to be called Paul eventually, somewhere along the way here. They went and got him, and he, said, and he found him, and he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. They met and they taught. Well, while Paul and Barnabas stayed with the church at Antioch, the church continued to grow. They were growing like they were supposed to, like we're supposed to. They were growing. That's good. And they, that is Barnabas and Paul, continued to teach for an entire year. You're like, well, we've been meeting how long? That's a question. Mm. See, somebody asked me that the other day and I couldn't get the answer, so I just, that's why I'm asking you. Two and a half years-ish, often on some way, form, or fashion, right? One year. That was a big deal. That was about the longest any, Paul stayed in any one place. I think he stayed in uh, Ephesus for two. But um, anyway, so he, they, they continued to teach. This church was so successful that the community gave them the name that nick, nick, nickname that stuck till this day, Christians, Little Christs. Now, that was a mocking name. You've got to keep that in mind. That wasn't like a good name. It was a mocking name. It was good because... It fit. It's what they wanted to be. But it was a mocking name because it was the pagans that were giving it to them. Oh, look at those people. They just all want to act like little Christ. They're being what? They're acting like real followers, real disciples. Um, There's more that we can say about this church, but I want to focus on a couple of points that I think will help us fulfill my hope and God's purpose for Renovation Church. You see, the moniker little Christ came as, as the pagans observed the lifestyle and the words of the disciples in Antioch. Now, they could have just lived the lifestyle, right? How many of you like that idea? I'll live the lifestyle. I'll be a good person, and people will notice by my good works that about, they'll, they'll come to know Jesus that way, right? But they couldn't notice just that. They wouldn't have known to call them little Christ. The reason they became they were able to call them little Christ was because they had been opening their mouths and they had been saying things about Christ, about following him. And, they, and so they, little Christ came about as, as, as a result of the words of the disciples as well as their actions. Now, I've, as I've studied the early church and examined the idea of church membership, I've come to this conclusion. Membership is a very, very poor name for becoming a part of a church. It's not joining a country club. You know, I become a member of a country club. I hate to say it, but some country clubs require more out of their members than churches do. That's kind of scary. But, um, but it's not becoming a member of a country club. No, membership's a bad word. The, the, the church is not some country club to join and enjoy the benefits. The biblical church is made up of disciples. Disciples commit themselves to learning. They learn to obey. They follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we do not do well learning in large groups, right? Particularly in the realm of obedience. How many people sit in a crowd in a megachurch or in a stadium or any other location and listen to great preaching? Great preaching out there. There's amazing guys out there who can handle the Word of God in phenomenal ways, and the people walk out the door and they live like the devil. Why? 
Because we don't get to, we don't become followers and disciples listening to great preaching. What we do is, is when we're together in smaller groups, we learn things like accountability about, about what's going on in my life. I cannot hide from you in my missional community. It doesn't happen. You know what I'm like. You know my problems. You know my weaknesses. You actually know how to get me mad. Right? You know, the only other, I was the most patient person ever to walk the face of the earth until I had children. <clears throat> Well, maybe, maybe, maybe even before that, when I, when I became a pastor, that also was an issue. Um, the biblical church is made up of disciples. Therefore, my hope is in the organic growth that comes through the active accountability in our missional communities. That's my hope. My hope that our missional communities will become what we've said they will be. Oh, can I get that? I knew it was up there, and I decided to risk it. <laughs> That's all right. You're here. I've had that, I've had that happen to me, and, uh, and, and it was the pastor that was away calling. And I'm like, why did he call during the service that I was preaching for him? You know, uh, Had I known, I would have answered it. Um, That's okay. Let's see. I just need to think. But disciples commit themselves to growth. They're not, they're not going to kind of like, oh, okay, I'm in, and I'm, I'm okay. We have a lot of people in the church today that they join a church, they become a member, they might even be baptized, and then they'll sit. And that's it. I'm in. I'm good. I got my membership. You know, it's like me in an in a, in a, in a, uh, athletic club. What do you call those things? There's a uh, um, recreation center, whatever. I, I'm not going to do that. You know, why join it? I'll spend hundreds of dollars and not do anything. Because I don't like doing exercises with other people. I'm sorry, it's not, I'm antisocial like that. Um, I'm going to run, and I'm going to run into the, in, alone, preferably, or with just one friend. But don't put me in a crowd of people that are all better th- in better shape than me. I'm not doing it. Um, but disciples sit, can commit themselves to growth. The Antioch church grew numerically and spiritually. That does not mean they grew by cheapening the grace of God with an easy entry point. And this is something we run the danger of. The bigger we grow, the more likely we are to make it an easy entry point because we don't have time to mess with the, the, the individual people. Now, I'm not saying megachurches. By the way, I'm not against megachurches. Don't get me wrong. But they focus, the good megachurches have small groups that are functioning tremendously. They are working through that. That's how people grow, and they know it. It's not because they got a great pulpiteer. Um, They had, high, they had high expectations of the disciples that signed up. The Antioch disciples had the audacity to believe that their message was good news for all people. They couldn't wait to share what they knew and experienced. They were, they were moving with it. We know that the, the Antioch church, uh, um, the people of God in that place, were active in discipleship, evangelism, and leadership development. Those things were going on. Why do I say that? We know this because one year after, within one year, one year now, one year, it just blazes me away every time I think about it. Within one year, they became known for one of the boldest moves ever initiated by the church after Pentecost. To know about that, we've got to go to chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets 
and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had laid, when, excuse me, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. My hope is that Renovation Church will prepare people for God's mission locally and throughout the world. My hope is that we'll do that. I'm kind of glad my missio guys have left. Um, I'm going to share a secret with you. This is a secret. Just turn it off. I think that we have a better chance of, as renovation, fulfilling the original vision and mission that Missio promotes than they have. Why do I think that? One, I think we're uniquely situated to that. I told the elders, I said, the only reason I agree with buying this building because it's too small. <laughs> I don't want to buy a too big building. A too small building is a good thing. And you might say, well, gosh, we just spent a lot of money. We did a lot of work and we love this building. Yes, good. It's too small. All right? It's, a, it's, our, it's not a starter home. It's the finished home for Renovation Church. Why? Our vision is that we multiply churches like this one all over the North Towns and beyond. That's our vision. That's our hope. That's my dream. That's why I'm a part of this church. That's why I joined and became a member. Ha <laughs> ha. A disciple here. That's why I'm here. Because that's what, that's what happens when we do the things that, that God does. Now, this is what I think is interesting here. Within a year, the Antioch church had several spiritual leaders. They had prophets and teachers. These leaders apparently got together for organizational meetings and extensive planning and for seminars. Not what it says? Anybody reading your Bibles? Nobody reads them anymore. Everybody's like, well, pastor, tell us, you know. Read your Bibles. There's a lot of guys who stand up here or any other place that say things that's not written there. Read it. What's it say? No. Uh, they got together for worship and to pray and to fast. Wow. That doesn't sound very fun. I like worship. It's good. I mean, I like the music of worship. Real worship is more than just the music, isn't it? I can sing songs. In fact, I like, you, you guys would love me for this, I like 60s and 70s rock. I mean, hard stuff. That's what I, and I can sing those songs with passion. They're horrible songs. They're horrible. I mean, uh, maybe I shouldn't confess. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, was thinking, I was listening to Peter Frampton yesterday, you know. Peter Frampton? You know, I don't know why. I just kind of Googled it and thought, oh, this ought to be interesting, you know. Um, but um, horrible stuff, horrible stuff. He's a good singer, though. Um, and I can sing it with passion, but I don't believe it. Thankfully, I don't believe it, right? Well, I can sing Christian worship songs with passion and not believe a word I'm saying. Did you believe the Lord's Prayer song? What was, you, what was the name of that song? Love is Strong. Did you believe what you were singing? Really? You believe that stuff? 
I'm sorry, I'm straying from my notes, but it's just to me, it's like amazing. If you really believe it, look at those words again when you get a chance. If you really believe that, wow, that changes your life. You become something totally different than a normal human being. I'm sorry, you do. You can't believe that and live a normal life. Okay, well, anyway, they got together to pray and fast and to worship. While all of these highly qualified men met together, God moved the Antioch church to engage the world further. Acts 1.8 was about to become a reality. All this time, now suddenly it's going to happen. And how does it happen? They were ready. The Antioch church had spent the time in prayer and fasting. They had experienced and received uh, the receiving end of the witnesses. They knew the need of the world beyond. They weren't hidden to that. They weren't ignorant to that. These are Jews and Greeks. They've gathered together and they've looked. They said, you know what? There's a rest of the world that's like us. They need Jesus. And they were, they were passionate about it. And then they, they fasted. They prayed. They pushed. They laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and pushed them right out the door and onto the mission field. Now, were Paul and Barnabas comfortable in Antioch? Apparently. It was fun. It was exciting. Everything was happening around them. It was good stuff. They built the building. They painted it. All They'd done it all nice and new with grays and blacks. And, um, and, they, and they really got excited. About it. They said, this is cool. But the Antioch church didn't have to go far to find their missionaries. They sent from within. And this is what I find is important to our church. They sent from within. Paul and Barnabas were fully active in the church. This was the first church that took response, full responsibility for the future ministry of these two men that we call missionaries. <laughs> the church that develops disciples as Christ intended will never lack spiritual leadership. Why do churches go without leadership? It's not because the leaders aren't there. As a coach of church planters, more often than not, they come to me, Tim, what we need are leaders. I hear it all the time, more than money. <laughs> and they need money. <laughs> they do say that as well. But I, I, we need leaders. You know, my answer is to them is, look in the mirror. You have a responsibility to develop leaders it's not going to come from anywhere else now we in our society we go out and we borrow them steal them from everybody else but that's not good leaders it's not good leadership on our part it's not a strong church it's not the antioch church my hope is that we will be developing our own leaders and we will be ready we will never lack spiritual leaders if we are doing our task as a church and they will help us both lead and they will be available to be sent. There was a group of leaders that gathered together, only two of them, <clears throat> that they send away. All right? If God were to meet with you today as he did with the Antioch church that day, would you be able to hear him? If you heard him, would you be ready to set apart anyone to the mission of anyone to the mission of making disciples of people in other places? 
My hope is that Renovation Church will be equipping one another to make disciples wherever God takes them. It starts where you are. Even though I'm responsible for the church planting in the center swath of New York, <laughs> my, my, my territory has changed multiple times. I feel like a salesman sometimes. I don't know. It's not a very good thing. Um, it starts where you are. I'm fully aware, by the way, that the command is to make disciples. I'm not about starting churches. That's the end result of the command of God. He says, go into all the world and what? Come on. Wake up out there. I don't see they sleeping, but just in case. What do you want you to do? Go into the world and make disciples. Make disciples. The command is make disciples. Nowhere in Scripture, I hate to say this, does it say plant churches. Really bad for my job. But not so. Make disciples. What do we do? Disciples then form new communities, missional communities from my perspective, and new communities multiply and eventually form new churches. What do we do? We're not, that's organic. That happens naturally. We oftentimes like shoving it in, shoving it in, trying to make a church happen when what really God wants is us to make disciples. How hard is that? Every one of you who's a follower of Jesus Christ can make disciples. There's not one person here who knows Jesus who cannot make disciples. That's a simple command. How do I do that? I teach them to follow everything that he commanded me, right? And he promises to be with me, so I don't have to do it alone. My hope is that you will take your place here in this community, in your own neighborhood, this one, the one that you live in, and in your workplace, and in his greater work beyond this region, we are uniquely situated, I said that earlier, to fulfill the vision, not to become large, but to, be, to multiply missional communities. That's where we are and churches throughout this area. My hope is that Renovation Church will be the impetus of a movement. In a book titled Shape, The Shaping of Things to Come, I, I, I don't care what you think of it, it's an interesting, it's a good book in a lot of ways, the authors describe, it's a, um, Hirsch, Alan Hirsch and Frost, Hirsch and Frost, for those, for those who are book dudes, all right, uh, or dudesses. The Shaping of Things to Come. The authors describe a movement as a group of people organized for ideologically motivated by and committed to a purpose that implements some form of personal or social change. Wow, Really? Does that make sense? Say again. A group of people, that's a, mo a movement, is a group of people organized for, ideologically motivated by, and committed to a purpose that implements some form of personal or social change, who are actively engaged in the recruitment of others and whose influence is spreading in opposition to the established order within which it, is, it originated. You see, the mission gives us our name. If we are really, truly little Christ, we are motivated by the mission that he wants the world reached and touched. Not because we are going to gather together and like being a church, but we are going to be the body moving out organically in the community. Let's pray together. Father, as we uh, take, move toward the remainder of the worship time, we just pray, Father, that you would uh, take our hearts, 
and turn us into uh, your representatives, true disciples that follow after you uh, all the way to wherever you take us, including to the very ends of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name.